Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 513 on Tuesday, the 14th of February, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where Blackpool got the Alan Bradley tram back, we'll be taking a deep breath over the news from South Korea. There is solid news about future Nissan cars. And we learn that artists, like nature, find a way. There are two Alan Bradleys in <laughs> film and TV, okay? <laughs> One of them is associated with Blackpool trams. The other one is associated with light cycles. I prefer the second one. <laughs> I wouldn't have seen it if you hadn't replied to that person <laughs> to say, no, we don't need to say anything. <laughs> you wouldn't even take a photo of me with a Blackpool tram the time that the pair of us were in Blackpool. The only time I've ever been in to Blackpool. To be fair, we were on a double yellow in the middle. <laughs> we were. You were, <laughs> you were stopping, stopping the Ionic getting a ticket. Yes. yes. Anyway, on to follow-up, moving aside from your problems with your own name. And picking the Euro Weekly as our source for this news, Mercedes, Audi, BMW find in the region of $33.48 million for rigging emissions of diesel cars in South Korea. Back in July 2021, the EU fined BMW and Audi, but not Mercedes, for the same thing, because Mercedes dobbed them all in. Yes. Sorry. They had a moment of clarity and realised that they had been incorrect in what they had done and chose to fess up. Yeah, I think that's the version that gets us less likely to be sort of have a cease and desist order. <laughs> what they did is they colluded together or have been accused of and fined for colluding together to make sure that none of the companies produced a technology that was better than the others. And they all... Mm -hmm released emissions at about the same level for their similar cars. In this case, though, they decided not to find Volkswagen because, according to Eurowit News, it says the company did not earn revenue relevant to the issue. In other words, Volkswagen didn't sell diesel cars in Korea. No, not for the time this is being done. Not for the time that was on. But interestingly, Mercedes got the biggest fine out of the three in South Korea. It's pure speculation, obviously, and this is lots of allegedly. Mm. Were they the instigators of it then, if this was, if they've been fined so heavily, or is it related to how much they've earned? I would imagine that they sold more cars and yeah. earned more money yeah. in, in this case, yeah. 31.18 million euros is uh, in the sort of whole diesel gate amounts of money levels. It's a small petito. So. Yes. It is something very small. We're going to move now from South Korea to Sunderland. <laughs> Nissan senior management are demanding money with menaces once again. Yes. According to, well, many stories, uh, one linked in the show notes is from uh, actually the Sunday Times driving supplement. And yes, Nissan has issued a warning over the future of the Sunderland car plant. Uh, and in this case, it's that the chief operating officer, Ashwani Gupta, is saying, well, yes, uh, we will need uh, support to help maintaining, continuing the, the Sunderland plant. And in this case, it's because the Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi alliance has decided that they're going to build the new Micra at the Renault EV plant in the north of France. Nissan is citing concerns about the UK's diminishing automotive supply chain as well, citing British Volt, which is kind of weird given that they're going to be sourcing their batteries from not British Volt. Yes. <laughs> Uh, which is there, of course, I think we covered it the other week, talking about Envision, uh, which is building a battery factory specifically to provide batteries to Nissan uh, and to the Sunderland plant. 
So we'll see what happens with this one. Uh, Nissan seem to do this about every 18 months to two years right at the minute. It's rather tiring. But what they also point out, it is more expensive currently to build a car in the UK than it is in their mm. European plants. This is a combination of, as Alan says, the uh, reduced or non-existent or didn't have to rely on it uk supplier base mm -hmm. as well as energy prices are higher in the uk than they are in mainland europe in fairness to nissan i do happen to know that everything in nissan comes down to who can build stuff the cheapest that's what they mean by competitive mm. it's like can you build this number of vehicles how what's the cost per vehicle and it goes right the way through i mean one time i was up at sunderland and they had finally a meeting room chair replacement project those were replacing the meeting room chairs which have been put in they've maybe been changed once since the plant was new in 1986 the reason being that every single time they spend money on that kind of thing which does not directly improve manufacturing it adds cost to every vehicle so that kind of project gets offset and offset and offset until eventually people are falling off broken chairs and they go okay enough but that's the kind of thing. So Nissan with them, I mean, it, and that's why it's the you know, financial officer, uh, chief operating officer saying these things. It comes down to the pennies or the cents that it costs for, for each car. Be interesting to see if the government does do anything, because as has been made clear with the British vault and with their changes to the recent uh, structure of the government ministers and mm. departments doesn't really seem to be an industrial strategy out there <laughs> what do you expect sorry you've got bankers and journalists in the nicest possible ways to bankers and journalists who are listening to us the current government is completely technically inept mm. and they have been uh, and this is not party politics this no, is many many statements <laughs> the last few governments have been technically inept and technically inept means not understanding the impact of one thing on something else but sure you can spin a couple of paragraphs in in the telegraph it just shows that continuing lack of experience and interest in anything beyond beyond the city jobs you know mm. it's it's pathetic lawyers bankers and journalists do not know everything in fact they know very very little from my experience and i'm not trying to pimp myself there it's just they've got no world experience they've got no understanding of how things are made how things are delivered any of these things mm -hmm. and of course those are the things that i like most so obviously i've got strong opinions on that <laughs> i am going to move us on now and this is the news that michael van der sand has taken over as managing director of lucid motors if you remember a few weeks ago or a month or so ago, I can't remember exactly when this was, so I'm asking mm. you to remember for me, but he left suddenly, it seemed, uh, left Jaguar Land Rover Special Vehicle Operations. Yep. He's going to be MD of Lucid Europe, so not the, the whole uh, of it, but they've just started expanding into certain portions of Europe, so they're in mm -hmm. uh, markets such as Germany, Netherlands, Norway, and Switzerland. Not surprising they're in Norway because of because Norway, yeah, <laughs> the way they have adopted the EV, <laughs> thanks to actually having some money to be able to encourage that. But Lucid Motors is an interesting company because they don't seem to be trying to run before they can walk. Mm. They seem to have kept it fairly realistic on what they're doing they do i've seen a couple on the road mm -hmm. there's actually a, a I, I don't know what the correct double speak is for it there's there's a shop with a car in it 
Um, I think it's a brand center. Uh, not far, not far from here, just in the, the South Shore in Boston. And I, I went and I, I sort of looked through the window and I was going to go in, but the, I was going to say salesman, the brand ambassador, he had his phone in a holster on his belt. Oh. And at that point, I just couldn't take anything seriously. So <laughs> I, I, I walked away. I thought, no, I'm not going in. I just don't want you to speak to me if you're that kind of person. Mm. But it looks big. Yes, it's not a small vehicle, but big then again, v, it's a big car. They've got a big range. They're, they do. They're top of the range air. Um, we, it actually called range trim. <laughs> will do eight hundred and eighty-two kilometers per charge, which is the best out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're developing an SUV, which is going to be a high-performance seven-seater, which is what the roads really need. But anyway, mm-hmm. just gloss over that. It's worth mentioning that this auto daily story, whenever I'm saying that the Air is a big car, it does describe it as a Mercedes-Benz EQS rival. So it is S-Class size. Mm. You know, it, it's it's chunky. Yep. It's chunky, but they're nice looking things. Yep. Yep. And one of the things is you don't tend to hear about them, you know, spaffing out on jets and stuff. No, or they don't appear to be making silly promises either. Mm-hmm. Or claims. Sorry, they're, no, they're not a promise. They're just a statement that, that that may or may not happen. Let's move on. Do you want to take us to Norfolk then? <laughs> yeah, another story from Automotive Daily. Well, I don't want to take us to Norfolk because actually I'm going to take us to take you to China because Lotus and obviously uh, owner Geely, well, really Geely, are spinning off uh, Lotus technology. They're doing one of these weird technical financial things where they're merging Lotus technology with something called a special acquisition company, which is essentially being bought and then the company doing the buying takes on the branding. Yeah, It's all to do with the ownership structure of of the various parts of, of Lotus. And then they're going to list it on, on the NASDAQ. This is not unusual for Geely. They did exactly the same thing, spinning Polestar out of Volvo in the same way. Yeah, This isn't unusual. This is a way of raising... A mere couple of billion dollars to to fund to fund ongoing uh, to, to invest back in the in the company because that's what Geely seemed to do. Worth mentioning and making clear the difference between Lotus Technology or Lotus Tech. They are the part of Lotus that builds that are now starting to build vehicles that are not sports cars. Yes, Lotus cars is still based in Hethel. They're making mid-engine sports cars and uh, as light a weight as possible, given the technologies they're using mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Lotus Technology is starting to to build the, the SUVs that everyone is ridiculing, the Electra. I think that's uh, pronounced correctly. Yeah, I think so. And their aim really is to be there to be able to produce EVs in volume in order to fund essentially in order to fund cars, fund the fun stuff, in the same kind of way that Porsche builds the KN and the Macan. And the success of the KN and the Macan and the Panamera is what funds ever more ridiculous versions of the 911 and the Boxster and, and these cars that everybody immediately thinks of whenever you think about Porsche. That's what they're doing. It's one of these kind of weird, as I say, weird financial things. It will make next to no difference to the rest of us. But yeah, it's it's a way of it's a ra- way of raising raising funds. Yep. I am going to take us to Scotland. 
this is the most ridiculous story we've got today. This is so dumb. <laughs> this is to do with Munro Vehicles, who we've talked about. They are the, well, last time we spoke about them, they were the flat pack all-terrain EV maker. <laughs> yes. Because they were able to um, get access to the new US requirements for EVs for them to be built in America, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they had worked out a way that they could uh, effectively flat pack them, ship them over and have them built in America and therefore mining companies or uh, companies that were out in extreme environments could still run an EV because of the mm. nature of the Munro all-terrain vehicle. Bollinger, who you will probably have heard of, the ones who like to make an incredibly squared off SUV stroke pickup, or that's what they were trying to do, but then went quiet. They've now filed a lawsuit claiming that well there's three three points of contention yes that they believe that ross compton who was a former contract designer but now works with munro that he violated his mutual non-disclosure agreement by referring confidential bollinger files while designing munro products with munro's awareness and that's a quote from the newsweek article that we'll have linked in the show notes Bollinger are claiming they had two patents that were violated by Munro, uh, and they go on to say, look how close the Munro looks to our Bollinger B1 and B2. Um, difficult to make an incredibly squared-off vehicle look different, I think. Yeah, because you're trying to make it cheaply and rugged and easy to replace parts. I do wonder if the first bit is so that there is a something to this case, because as Land Rover and uh, Ineos discovered between the pair of them, it is not possible to, certainly in the UK, it's not possible to to copyright a silhouette. Mm. It's possible to copyright features of the silhouette, so the Alpine windows, for example, on a, on a, on a Defender. Yep. But it's not possible to, to actually copyright the silhouette. The silhouettes of these two vehicles are incredibly similar. They are probably now more similar than the Grenadier and the classic uh, 110. Yeah. I wonder just how much weight that's going to have. But the other part, the the non-disclosure agreement, we'll, we'll see what happens. This this seems odd. I mean, they are both now tar- trying to target the same commercial market, uh, and that might have something to do with it. But mm. unless you're looking at them in profile, then they are actually markedly different. Yeah. The Munro is a much more industrial look to it. Yeah. yeah Whereas exactly. the Bollinger is trying to show that it is actually usable uh, on the roads and is a, is a, a consumer product as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think I don't think that's the case. Yeah. But I think Bollinger have got other problems in their company anyway. Uh, yes. So this this might be a bit of smoke and mirrors, or uh, hope that they get some income. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was going to say I had a bit of a money grab as well. I'm going to stick with the US, though. This may not seem that related, but there is uh, information from Maersk, the shipping company, to their customers in North America talking about products that are being brought in from China, particularly aluminium products, with regards to the US's new Uyghur Forced Labour Prevention Act that is in place. Yes. Now, what they're talking about here is that they want to double-check that no products are being imported that have been made by forced labour or child labour, 
particularly anything that comes from the uh, Uyghur Autonomous Region in China. Mm -hmm. And why this is a big deal for the car industry, because they use so much aluminium. (laughs) Yes. And that means things get held up. And that's one of the the sort of major commodities and major things from that region is is aluminium ore smelting and production. Basically, it's it's an informational from Maersk just saying, look, watch out for this. Make sure you've got all the paperwork in order. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to have issues. You've got to have the whole paper trail uh, to prove this. But it's interesting to see an act actually being enacted mm. <laughs> to this mm. extent because a lot of times these things uh, governments bring them in as sort of saber rattling and oh don't you push us whichever mm-hmm. country we have brought this in against you know we're bringing it in for one reason but we're actually doing it to make a point but yeah. they they look like they are properly looking into it as well mm-hmm. which is good because obviously <laughs> there should not be forced labor in anything that's made <laughs> no no, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's 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 a good thing overall, yeah. Yeah. To Bath next, and a story that's on BBC News, bigger parking fees are planned in Bath for... <laughs> the new BBC News headline is for polluting cars. I think the answer is for more polluting cars. So the cost of pay and display in Bath could be based on the level of CO2 that is... Um, Uh, just the level of pollutants which are emitted from vehicle this is not unusual by the way already westminster for the last few years since pre-covid i think has been doing this uh, as well bath are just taking it to the next level (laughs) when it comes to that parking permits for residents are already based on emissions data or engine capacity there's also a 25 percent surcharge on top of that for diesel cars in bath Ka-ching. The so now they're talking about expanding that into pay and display uh, areas. They did point out there is it has been point or is pointed out in the story the car park charges last increased in November. That was only the second rise in twelve years. But no dramatic changes to the cost of resident permits uh, in Bath coming up. I don't know what the solution to that is. Drive a less polluting car. Don't live in Bath. But that's not the only thing that Bath are considering. They're also discussing charging drivers to enter the city centre at all. This one is more understandable. You can see, depending on how big city centre zone is, obviously. Did they not look at this and then withdraw it again? We've talked about this in Bath before. No, no, uh, that was their clean air zone. They adjusted slightly. Oh, okay. Um, it's It's not Bristol, though. Don't. Let's not go there. No, Bristol no, no, are the I'm ones not, not. who were lunatics with it. Uh, <laughs> that even the government turned around twice and said, no, please go and think about that again. <laughs> this is really down to the fact that Bath has a, a, a ring of steel that's being installed <laughs> and the cost of that is going up. And this is all to, no, this is what they're called, though. They're called a ring of steel and it's to prevent terrorist attacks. And this cost has actually gone up quite dramatically. As we discussed, I think, only two weeks ago when it came to big public projects and how they Mm -hmm. never run on time or on budget. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The the idea is that whilst it would keep it would lessen the number of vehicles that would probably be willing to go into the city centre, the funds would be Mm -hmm. used to pay for security of the area as well. It's not just a it is not purely a tax because you have a car. Mm -hmm. That's different. Yes. 
and they haven't said they're definitely going to do it or anything either. This is just open mm-hmm. for discussions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll follow the story and we'll, we'll let you know what happens, really. I think we've managed to stumble to the end of the first part there. Uh, we have, yes. Kicking and screaming. Uh, dragged ourselves through it. But that means that it's Guild Minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. Still don't know. Uh, we also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and T-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do so, thank you so very, very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. And thank you, everyone, that does. Yes, Absolutely. I will open up new new car news because I skipped over it last week because it's no fun arguing with oneself. What argument? I'll start with Nissan because Nissan have been busy. Obviously, there was the readjustment of the Rebel Alliance. Then there's the threatening with menaces the UK government. It's not that they've been busy. It's just they're making up for the last two years of pratting about. Well, I think they feel they can now make these announcements because they know Mm. what's happening. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Nissan have unveiled uh, three concept cars which give a hint to their future. The Max Out, the Surf Out, and the Hangout EV concepts. Hmm. Okay, right. Okay. Max Out is a two-seater, no top at all, not even hints of a top, implying a sporty future. It's not very attractive. It's not very attractive. I don't no, like I the, think the it's Max hideous. Out is the one that I I is the one I like least of these three because it's kind of banana shaped. It looks like oh, uh, it looks like River Simple. Mm. We're going to do a do, do a, a roadster, okay? So it's got that kind of weird sits high in the middle, a bit banana shaped, kind of wheels in pods thing mixed with a mark 4 mx5 it's, it's just not attractive really no it's, it doesn't look good in any way and i think the the main thing they're showing off is oh hasn't he got lots of fancy lights which really mm-hmm. doesn't make up for things the surf out's cool though the surf out is a pickup um which then has a closing top i don't know where that disappears to unless that's just a, I, a, I don't a care i think on. it looks cool uh, but it's sort of a coupe pickup <laughs> That's what they've created. It's a sort of jacked up. Imagine, uh, how do I describe this? It's a Chevy. Oh, what, what's the one? Is it? An, it's not an HHR. It's the Chevy. Remember, there was that Chevy pickup truck with with the folding hardtop that goes into where the pickup bed should be. No. Anyway, there is. Okay, there was. It's in the days when stuff like that was done, and then it's that crossed with a Rivian. That's okay. what it looks like. That's some jacked up and orange and, and stuff. But then that whole sort of the top folds into the covered bed type type setup is is going on for the for, for the rest of it. It looks cool. I've, I've just my description wasn't great. It looks cool. The most realistic of them seems to be the hangout. I think that's the most interesting one. Yeah, because I think that's the one that's most likely to be built as as far as anything. But it is it it looks quite. Bland. I mean, it's not small, but quite cute, quite yeah. friendly looking. 
because uh, this is a this is and I do need to describe it there. I realise I'm looking at pictures, so is Alan. But uh, it is a SUV with quite a small footprint. There is a wheel at each corner, etc. Cliche insert there. It's got sliding yes. doors for the front and rear that go to the front and the rear. So I'm not sure that would make too much uh, into production. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's a size that they could build and would be bought, particularly in Europe. Yeah, it looks kind of Qashqai size, maybe a little bigger, um, a little wider. Yeah. But they have unveiled a, a Nissan nose, which is this sort of rectangle <laughs> with curves on it, uh, mm-hmm. particularly the light pods. Which, uh, and in the um, in the surf out and definitely the max out, it makes it look like it's a, a whale shark mouth. Yes, it does. A bit. It's, it's a bit gulping. They have been looking at the future and what they're going to produce, which is great because they have not been producing <laughs> but stuff to, no. to to excite us too much no, the, until the well, last the, year the, or two. The, the Nissan Z, which seemed to be unveiled over here, released over here with very little fanfare. I've not seen one on the road yet, mm. knowing they were, as you see, GR86s all the time. So there's there's been that, but that's not being released in Europe. So no, that's about it. By the way, the real reason for these three concepts, or one of the real reasons, is aligned to the fact that they're trying to to build the first solid-state battery. That's the next yeah. big step in battery technology. So they're looking to move from, essentially what's in EVs at the minute are lots and lots of D-cell batteries. And that's, I'm simplifying this hugely. They're like lithium D-cell batteries, like all those big cylinders. And then you put cooling liquid round about. Um, that has... That brings challenges, uh, so you have to sort of run cooling systems for that that liquid, uh, which of course hits the range and hits the efficiency and all these kind of things. Then you've got to make sure it doesn't get too hot, it doesn't get too cold, uh, and all these and all that and kind of thing. And it bulk and it's bulky and it's heavy. The aim is to get to a solid state battery, which has no liquid. Which has no liquid. Yes, exactly. That's why it's solid. Today on Explaining the Obvious. So the idea is to move to square cells, which can be blocked together more easily and grouped together, which should increase the energy density, at the same time making it so that you can actually charge more quickly. So solid state seems the next big step in battery technology. It's just ruddy hard to get there. If they're able to do what they claim which is that they will have this technology starting to be deployed in 2026 and then mass production in 2028, they're well ahead of everybody else because mm. nobody else is claiming they're that close. Cobalt-free in 2028 as well. So again, it's the holy grail, isn't it? It's yeah. a bit like this nuclear fission in terms of, oh, if just as soon as we get that, everything will be fine, is mm. the kind of ways these things are spoken about. And it would be a huge step forward if they can do it. Yeah, I'm just I I obviously have not been following it closely, and I'm sure there's people listening that do follow a lot of this stuff closer than I have. I hope they're right because it will make such a huge difference to electric cars. Yeah, those are very close dates that they're giving, so there must mm. be weight behind them. Don't know? forget when autonomous vehicles were, at, you know, the hype cycle of that. Companies were saying to us, oh, yeah, in only three years, we'll have fully autonomous vehicles until they realize what was actually going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now they're all going, no, 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 it's never going to happen. Yeah. yeah, 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 I hear you, I hear you. Shall we move on to the Zika X? Uh, if you must. Okay, going to Autocar. The new 2023 Zika X is Volkswagen ID3 rival with up to 422 brake horsepower because that's what you need in a sort of tall hatchback. I was going to say it's an SUV, isn't it? 
It's an SUV. Uh, it's essentially a sub-brand of Geely, isn't everything? Uh, uh, at the minute, it looks a bit like it looks like it looks a bit like a Kia. That's a compliment, and because it's got the kind of blocky, slightly concepty look with some sort of slashes at angles and 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 stuff, but at the same time being realistic and looking like it might actually have some interior volume. I really like the headlamps, which are. You wouldn't be surprised to see headlamps like that on a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. They are very, very slim and recessed. It's got a distinctive front, side, and rear, which is a good start, I think, when it comes to SUVs. I quite like it. They are looking to bring that. Is it just for China? Uh, It will be introduced into Europe. But first of all, it's going to be unveiled in the Shanghai Motor Show in April. I saw a lot of our friends who are in the car design end of social media and the mm-hmm. internet got very excited about this were very complimentary i've just it, it, it's a flat line for me it it neither delights nor enrages me in any way it's just wow yes a yet another suv whoop de doo it's interesting enough to look at though i, I feel it's i mean it's, there's some touches less, on it that are it's, nice it's, aesthetically i'd rather have this than an id3 well yeah. ready i don't think that 422 brake horsepower is necessary that would be the same sort of the same driveline as the smart hash one brabus the underpinnings are going to be the same as the smart which is coming to europe i actually prefer this to the smart i think it's better looking mm. but but yeah no mention of costs or anything uh, just yet but no i think it's, it's it's quite good looking zika x z double e k r Meanwhile, another car which I had forgotten existed um, <laughs> is not harsh. going to be sold in the UK anymore. Andrew, yes. you can have this one. <laughs> Thank you. Dead car news. Uh, the Kia Rio will <laughs> exit the UK and mainland Europe with no replacement. Though this is the equivalent of the uh, uh, Hyundai i20 or the Ford Fiesta. And it is another company removing the super mini sized vehicle from their range. But people are buying Stonic instead, which is the same size, but jacked up a bit. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not it, really. It's just, why would you buy it? It's just no. not as good as the rest of the range. It's worth mentioning that they are keeping the Picanto, which is the i10 equivalent. Yep. They always look funky little things. They look I great. Know, they are lovely, aren't they? Uh, they account for 10% of the company's overall UK sales in 2022 and was the UK's third best A-segment car. Not getting rid of all the little cars, just the forgettable ones. Okay. I'm so getting lynched by Kia, ah, aren't I? I will be working my apology to Kia shortly. Yes. Uh, do you want to take us actually to an auto and design article, though? It's, 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 it's like it's Geely Week or something, isn't it? <clears throat> yes, there is a new Volvo Global Head of Design, and he is a chap called Jeremy Offer. Offer has come to Volvo to succeed Robin Page. Uh, who is staying at Volvo as a senior consultant. Jeremy has come from Arrival, where he was chief design officer um, and a senior vice president. He focused on vehicles, components, branding, user experience, all that kind of thing. And before that, he worked for global consulting, uh, design cons- industrial design consultants, EPAM. So he comes with lots of useful background, I think. Mm. and skills not just from within he doesn't just wield a crayon no i think that's particularly unfair and i'm going to slap you down for that one (laughs) 
but he comes from a background that it's not just designing vehicles within the same brand group mm. which yeah. um unlike some other places yeah yeah absolutely i think it's great because we we've no matter what the problems with arrival we have always mm. been very complimentary about the look of their vehicle oh yeah which is i think partly one of the reasons i wanted it to succeed <laughs> as it, much as it anything is, it'd be cool around the place yeah i know to just make cities look more modern it sounds ridiculous but <laughs> but yeah so even the, the rivian trucks do that kind of thing around here to be honest anyway uh, should we move on to the car design awards and the lists of the finalists yeah again from auto and design but the car design awards for 2023 have been announced and there's three categories we have concept cars production cars and brand design language that we are contractually obliged to say in that silly voice. I missed the SMMT figures last week, so can I run through them for people just to get get it out of my system? Please do, because I know once a month you have to run through a list properly. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, so cue up your sign and swinging symbol, everyone, and here we go. So the concept cars are the Alpine Alpenglow, the Audi Urban Sphere, the Dacia Manifesto. Gosh, you don't realize how silly these are until you read them out loud. The Cupra Urban Rebel, the GAC Motors Car Culture Series Number One, the Genesis X Convertible, which we've talked about on here, the Hyundai Envision Seventy Four. Again, that's the one that looks a bit like a DeLorean. The Mercedes-Benz Vision AMG, the Renault R Five Turbo Three E, which is the Renault Five Drift Electric Renault Five Drift car which we've talked about on here too and the toyota bz compact suv that's a tough one it is it is, that is a I, tough list what do you reckon is likely to get it i think the hyundai has it mm. i like i really like the hyundai i really like the dacia and i really like the renault 5 but the renault 5 is obviously mm. such a heart back to history so is the uh, so so is hyundai. hyundai sorry not hyundai i shouldn't say it that way hyundai but i really like the the, the tonka toyness of the dacia mm-hmm. as well yeah. and none of these other ones are bad in any particular way no they're all the cool they're all yeah. very good they're all really interesting in different ways but they're the th- the three i oh, i was surprised the citroen ollie isn't in there by the way is it too late? Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe too late. Um, mm. No, 1st of April to 31st mm-hmm. of December. Mm-hmm. Wow, I am very surprised then. But uh, I, I, I want the Dacia to win, but I could, I could see the Hyundai one winning as okay. well. Cool. Should we run through the production cars then quickly? Yeah, go through the production so cars. So there's the Bentley Batua. The BYD Atto 3, the Ferrari Puro Sangue, or however you pronounce that. Pure not blood. A, not an issue. Pure blood. It does. It still sounds like something out of flipping Harry Potter. The GAC Ion Hyper GT, the Jeep Avenger, the Maserati Gran Turismo, the Peugeot 408, the Polestar, Polestar 3, the new Toyota Prius, and the Volvo EX90. Oh, this one's going to be tough. Everyone's singing the praises of the 408 in the flesh, although I don't really quite get it. Um, Not the Ferrari, not the Bentley. Oh, the Bentley is amazing. And when you look up, you look at it. I I know that you've seen it in real life, as I haven't, you see. Yes. I think the Jeep Avenger may get this. Yeah, that's an interesting one because it's immediately recognizable as a modern Jeep. 
Yes, but it's not at the same time, and yeah. that's what's clever about it. I can see the Volvo getting it as well. Maybe, but maybe looks, even. But it looks. But it look, The Volvo looks like a Volvo. That's my problem yeah, with the Volvo. Maybe the Prius or Prius. It could because it's such a step over the previous generation's slight weirdness. Mm. And yeah, everyone like came out and went, "God, that looks good, doesn't it?" Yeah, 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 totally. It, it does it nicely, I think. Mm. Uh, last one: brand design language, five year. BMW, <laughs> that's contentious. <laughs> that's contentious. Ferrari, again. What's the difference, really? Hyundai, could get it. Kia, could get it. Toyota, could, but possibly won't. I think it's more likely to fall with Hyundai or Kia. I think that is going to South Korea somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's going to one of those. Two. The BMW one's laughable, really. I know they'll sell because people want a BMW badge. But in our corner of the internet, I don't think anyone has said anything complimentary about any of their designs recently. Not really. If you want to know more, cardesignaward.org. Yes. Points of interest and lunchtime read next one. Oh, first, Car- first on the points of interest, we do need to thank. Oh, yes. We do need to thank at Tibbs GTE. Hopefully I've remembered you. The worst part of this is that I've actually that, that we've met for suggesting that this part of the show should be called points of interest. Um, this this next little bit, which is about stuff you can go off and read more about uh, if you mm. don't want to read more about anything else. So yes, thank you for that. Uh, reason for needing the name will appear at some point. Yes, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon, but yes, yes, yes. yes thank you very much. Cunning plans afoot. But thank you for that. Uh, and thank you to everyone else who made suggestions. Weirdly, the ones from people in marketing and PR were the more out there ones. <laughs> But thank you, everyone. Because their uh, salary didn't depend on it. <laughs> well, yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Right. Do you want to take us to the lunchtime read then, the first part of uh, Points of Interest? Uh, so the lunchtime read is Classic and Sports Car, and it's uh, it's a motoring art section, which I always enjoy in Classic and Sports Car. And it's, this time it's about uh, Jeremy Dickinson and uh, how the frustration of not being able to complete a planned American road trip because of the pandemic uh, had an impact on his art and just what he wanted to do. And he's got these awesome paintings of record yards and all sorts of stuff. Um, it's really cool. Go please to take a look and take a read. They're just really nice paintings. It's, it's delightful. Uh, he went along the route he was going to take and used Google Earth and found these amazing places that were automotive related, so like the the record yard, etc. Uh, and then he's he's painted them up, and they are just delight. As you said, they are delightful. They are gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we do love a good piece of automotive art that's done very yeah. well, and this is right up there. Uh, and that's fantastic. That, that it, it's fantastic that he refused to allow lockdown to stop him yeah as well virtual traveling really cool really cool i really like that yeah do click the link in the show notes to see more and at the bottom of the article you will see a link to his instagram or and his website as well for more stuff mm-hmm. yeah it's cool stuff really good well worth a, a read and then a, and subsequently a follow i think yes and even buying it if you're in a position to be able to do so absolutely I am now going to take us to the list of the week, and this is from Haggerty. And Anthony Ingram has created the nine forgotten hot hatches of the 1990s. So, Alan, can you do the impossible and pick one from these nine? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> and there's some which I can, I can, I can push to the side. There's at least one I actually tried to buy, 
there's others which don't interest me at all. And this is at the room, but this is a list of only nine. (laughs) One which I've heard great things about, despite it being as tedious as a slipper to look at but i've heard nothing but nice things from them by people who've uh, who either own them or have had them as rental cars in the past believe it or not <sighs> which leaves me with two i am going to go for the rover 200 vi okay I always like these got the 143 brake horsepower more powerful variant of the 1.8 liter k series which was used in mgfs I've always thought the R3 Rover 200, the little curvy one, was cute. And, and mm-hmm. I've always liked it. I know it's pretty squashed inside. Uh, and it wasn't, yeah, relatively successful, I guess. So that's what I'm going to choose. Remember, if nothing else, it meant that the Rover 200 BRM could exist, which that is I've true. always liked. So I'm going to choose the Rover 200 VI uh, as a car which I would still really like to drive. Okay. There's only nine, so I'm not going to give my selection. Uh, I'll wait till the show is out, and if anybody wants to ask me, I'll let them know then. There's others which still very much around today, which you see lots of. But it's, it's, yes, yes, and others which you just never see. That was Mm. a tough choice, though. It was. Tough choice. I'm I'm glad I found that. Mm-hmm. And that you had to make the decision. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's go now for the and finally into fronts, please. And finally, yes, Playmobil have released a new model and joining the you know joining some of the other models like the Porsche 911, the Taycan. They did the Taycan. Did they do the Taycan as well? Yeah. Uh, and Ferrari SF90 Stradale and Mercedes-Benz 300 SL and some of these is the Citroen 2CV. That's right, for $44.99. I I once bought a 2CV for four times that, or parts of a 2CV. If it was a complete 2CV, I'd probably still have it. $44.99. You can have a Citroen 2CV, two little models, two milk churns, a removable roof, and uh, some other bits and pieces. Strangely, no basket of eggs. No, that's a massive oversight, I feel. Um, but it does come with a set of stickers, which mean you can choose what type of number plate you have on it. Only complaint I have, Andrew, mm-hmm. the steering wheel has three spokes. Yes, and nothing at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wait, I've just realized that it comes with two sets of headlamps. You can have either clear headlamps or yellow headlamps for the full well, French effect. It has to be yellow, obviously. Why would you not put the yellow ones in? <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. I think that's really cool, though. I do. I do. I'm a huge 2CV fan. I would love to own one. Even more than that, I'd love to own a Mahari. Mm. Yeah. But yes, yes. I think that's really cool. I'm, I'm quite tempted to get one, actually. I don't collect Hot Wheels like most of you. So yes, that's super tempting. Mm. Super tempting. And anyway, that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, one piece of parish notes... We've had an idea. Well, actually, listeners have had an idea, and we think it's a really good idea. We do. Uh, So we've been asked for suggestions for a car with a list of criteria. We thought this would make a fun special edition, or even a couple of special editions, depending on how many we get. But we need your help. If you have requirements for a car, new, well, new to you, whatever, let us know. Get in touch uh, either via the website or via the social medias. And let us know what your requirements are, 
roughly. We'll do it anonymously. Mm -hmm. And we'll rack our brains and we'll do a couple of special editions along those lines because we think it sounds like an interesting thing. And it's one of those debates that car people often have between themselves. Yep. It would be better if it was real. If it's not, if they're not real requirements, then that's cool too. Mm -hmm. But we're relying on you guys to, to make them up. Otherwise, somebody's going to be on about cars with three decent sized seats across the back and things and somebody else is going to be on about sporty hatchbacks uh, and that gets dull for everyone <laughs> so do chime in if you've got, got got thoughts if you're looking for a car uh, if you've just got ideas then uh, then give us a shout and it's almost a sort of reverse saturday selector isn't it <laughs> yes from yes. from palmdale motors yeah so it's it's, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's almost the reverse of that so give us a shout with any of requirements and in the next few weeks we'll we'll, we'll try and, we'll try and put to put together a special edition about that yep should be fun mm-hmm. anything else andrew that i've forgotten about no. no okay that means that it's time for me to remind you not to forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts we show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you'll find me there. Also, uh, I am Crack Windscreen on Mastodon, if you prefer to chat there. And Alan, if people would like to talk to you personally, for the, I don't know, suggestions on uh, the vehicle they would like and the criteria involved, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Again, Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. Again, same name over on Mastodon as well. I think it's, it's the, the full name is in my is in my bio, despite Elon's best efforts. <laughs> we'll be back very soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>